but we'll see if we can get that uh, resolved. We took the Apple TV home and it didn't seem to work. So it's, uh, evidently it's an issue with our internet here. We'll have to figure that out. But it's good to get your Bible and open it up anyway. If you don't have a Bible, you should let me know and I'll make sure you have one. Um, we're getting close to the end of the year and I know I'm about to finish up reading my Bible once again. I encourage you to read through your Bible. It doesn't matter what age you are, if you can read, you should be reading your Bible every day. I think Jacob read his through the very first time when he was 12 years old, is that right? I think it was something like that. I encourage you to do that. We always push that, and I have done that for many, many years and will continue. But the Word of God is very, very important to us. So, one verse of Scripture, Jesus speaking in Luke chapter 18 and verse 1, the Gospel of Luke. And he, speaking of Jesus, spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought to always to pray and to not faint. So he goes on and tells a little more about this story, but I pretty much want to concentrate on that, that men, and may I add, mankind, men and women, ought to always pray, not faint, not to give up. Keep on praying no matter what. Lord, we love you. We thank you. I ask you to bless each and every one here today. So thankful, Lord, for those that's here. Thankful for your goodness, your mercy. I just ask that you touch those. God is unable to be here sick tonight. And those who, Lord, just sidetracked and not here. And I just pray you touch especially those that are here tonight. You put something in our heart, God, and we can receive something in a great and a powerful way, God. I know if we can get this concept that would change the scope of our world, our church, our city, and even our communities all around us, Lord. And we just love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name. Church, say amen. amen. German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche. I know I've quoted this a lot during this. It's been a long series. and I don't know when I'll get done with it. There's a lot I can say about this. But he said, he who has a why can endure anyhow. Knowing your why is an important first step in figuring out how to achieve the goals that excite you and create a life you enjoy living versus merely surviving. Indeed, only when you know, why, know your why will you find the courage to take the risk needed to get ahead, stay motivated when the chips are down, and move your life onto an entirely new, more challenging a more rewarding trajectory. If someone doesn't have a why, and we have a lot of people there nowadays, they wander around aimlessly and have no idea what they're doing with life. And we need to know why we're even on this earth. Simon Sinek said, the why is the purpose, cause, or belief that drives every one of us. Every one of us has a why. But our why is not necessarily what it should be. We should have a why that drives us to live for God and to serve God and to do all that we can to live for Him. And not everybody has that. It seems that some people has their only why is to see how many hours they can log on to social media. 
Some is to see um, how many shows they can binge watch or how much they can guzzle an alcohol or how many packs of cigarettes they can smoke in a day or or how many, uh, you, you name it, we could go on and on. It seems to be people's wine. But if we've ever needed to understand our why about something, my subject tonight, we surely need to understand why we should do what I want to talk about tonight. Tonight, I want to talk about this. I've been taking this and saying this is why, explaining why I do certain things. And I went through a lot of different things. I went through repentance, baptism, uh, went through speaking in tongues. I went through, you know, convictions and, and several things. You go back to podcasts and listen. But tonight, this is very, very vitally important. But I'm going to talk about why this is why I pray. This is why I pray. Not everybody prays every day. I remember teaching Sunday school several years ago and asking my Sunday school class at that time when I was teaching teenagers. And I began to ask them when's the last time they prayed. And I had to go back. Oh, it was several days before I got some of them that had prayed outside of the meal. And uh, it was very alarming to me, but it's very real reality that we are now a lot of people that through the 15 years of pastoring i they come to me with issues and troubles and problems and i and i've said hey are you praying oh well i'm just not praying much it is so important that we pray i've said repeatedly through this series i've always been raised in church I do not remember not going to church ever in my life. I can count on this hand how many times I have chose not to go to church just because I didn't want to. I have always went to church. The only time we miss church um, is now as in pastoring as if we um, are on vacation or we're at a conference somewhere. Or I am definitely sick. I've missed church twice being sick in two years. I'm saying that for a reason. I've just This has been my life. And somebody may look at me and think, well, well, this has been your life, then will you understand it better? Well, if, if that's the case, then maybe somebody should listen to me. Because prayer is important. And, I, and I've always knew that prayer was something as a Christian that, Brother Texas, we just did. We just prayed. Outside of church, I mean, I've seen prayer, been raised in a Pentecostal church. Everybody prayed. You know, people shouted worship, shouted run the aisles. You hear people speak in tongues, all that kind of stuff. But outside of church, I'd see my mom pray. I've seen my mother's mom pray. I wasn't around my, my dad's mom as much and all they went to the same church as we did, but not till I got older did I see her pray. I'd heard stories of Cheryl's dad praying. I'd hear her, um, Cheryl tell the stories of him waking her up in the night hours of him praying, which Bethany could still tell you about that. Bethany, Texas, they live beside him, and a lot of times they'll be sitting down on a porch and they can hear um, 
Cheryl's dad, Kenneth, up there praying, just whenever. And he's not afraid. We, we went to see him. We tried to go see him twice a week. And we went the other day, and that time we got the door, he just let loose, and he was in there praying. So it's just something that we were common to see and be around. And right before my dad died, I didn't see him much pray, but about the last six, eight months of his life, dad, I began to see him pray outside of church. I can remember my earliest, some of my earliest prayers Again, I've been to church in my life, so I've always thought about prayer, but some of my earliest prayers was maybe what some of our kids is, Lord, let it snow. I really need you to let it snow tonight because I don't want to go to school tomorrow. I'm sure none of y'all has ever prayed that. Lord, please, if you pass the note, please let her say yes. Or, Lord, you know I'm going to go hunt in the morning. I want to kill that big buck. If you're a hunter, if you've never prayed that God let you kill a deer in a deer stand, you are lying. Lord, let me hit that home run. Let me get that A on that test. Etc. 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 You know, we that's some of my earliest prayers. I remember praying those type of prayers. And um, one of my earliest sincere prayers that I ever remember was for my cousin Kevin, Aunt Phil's youngest son. And he is blind in one eye. He was uh, at six months old. He had got pneumonia set in his eye, and he lost his eye. He ended up, basically, he's legally blind now. But uh, as he was between six and seven months old, my Aunt Phil told me and my cousin Joy about that verse in Matthew 18, where it says, again, I say to you that two shall agree, if two of you shall agree upon on earth to touching anything, they shall ask, it shall be done to them. But my Father, which is in heaven. And we prayed for God to heal Kevin's eye. I remember I was, my faith was high. I believe, oh, me and Joyce, we're going to go in there and we're going to pray. And it didn't happen. He didn't. His eye was not healed. It doesn't mean God's not a healer. I'm just telling you, it's one of the earliest sincere prayers I remember. I, I didn't, to be honest with you, I didn't understand really why, as a Christian, I needed to pray. I just knew I needed to because that's what everybody around me they prayed everybody around me prayed we talked about prayer and we prayed in 1987 when i truly repented i talked about that in my this is why i repent when i was repented baptized in jesus name i received the holy ghost i began a real journey of prayer that i am still on today I can tell you that I've had many ups and downs with this prayer journey. Many of them. And I'll tell you straight up tonight, if you don't know why we need to pray, then you will never pray. As a child, you may pray for uh, an A on a test, or even as an adult, you may pray, Lord, let me get this bill paid, or let me... But to really pray, we have to understand, yes, that's prayer, but that's not what prayer is, if that makes sense tonight. And to be honest, that is why I think so many just don't pray because they don't know why they even should pray. We get this idea that we think we should pray, uh, maybe it's what is expected of us, or, or we, we should pray because that's just what Christians do, that's what people do, and that's what we do when we're desperate. That's what we need to do when we need something. 
think the year, if I'm not mistaken, is 1997. The University of Kentucky basketball team had just gone to the national championship for the second year in a row. 96, they won the championship. 97, they went back to the championship once again. As most of you know, I have been in the past a diehard basketball UK fan. I'm not necessarily no more. And, uh, but at that time I was in 97, they had a new coach. Um, they lost, like I said, the spring of that year in the national championship to Arizona. So come that fall, they had a new coach, Tubby Smith. High expectations were once again for this team to maybe go to the national championship for the third year in a row, and hopefully they could win it. And remember, um, a few years earlier that, I, I would try to awake every day and I'd try to pray first thing before I started my day. And 96 is the year I accepted my call to preach. And I remember being on the altar at the Old Star Bethlehem and I was there praying and God gave me a vision of a man on the altar praying. Then standing with his arms lifted high and fire coming out of his fingertips which was just a man on fire for the Holy Ghost. And God, let me know that is who you are supposed to be. That is the kind of man of prayer that I want you to be. So I was struggling to become that man with what I felt I needed to do to become that man was to arise early and pray every day before my day got going. And I was not doing a very good job at it at all. I would stay up late doing whatever. And I know this young people, this is going to blow your mind, but this was before the internet. This was before cell phones. I would say smartphones, before cell phones. All we had was landlines, and if you was lucky enough to have a good cordless phone, you was blessed. So I was just wasting time. I don't remember if it was watching TV or something. But I just could not get up to pray. Every day it seemed like for Texas, I'd get up late, throw my clothes on, get my lunch, throw it together, run out the door, speed to work, barely get there in time, and many times also show up late. That was my every day. Brother Wade Hendricks' dad used to live right beside of me, and we worked together at that time, and I remember his wife told me, one time she said, I, I used to tell Jesse all the time, I'd say, I think you're going to have to call him. He's going to be late. The lights are not even on. <laughs> and the last minute I'd throw them lights on, I'd get my throat closed. And, and needless to say, I did not pray before I made my way out of the door. I remember a particular night in 1997. Kentucky was playing basketball. As I said, they... Lost to Arizona in the national championship that year in spring. But now then it was a fall. First game of the season. And Kentucky was highly ranked once again. Expecting to be a great team. And guess who they were playing? It was a rematch of Arizona, the team that they just lost to in the national championship. It was a Friday night and it was a late game. And I expected UK to win. I was hyped about the basketball game. And all of a sudden, 
we're watching this game. I'm watching this game, and, and, and Kentucky, I'm, I'm, oh, they're going to win. But here's the kicker, too, Brother Texas. The next day was modern gun season, deer season. It's a late game. But it was also deer season the next day. What am I going to do? I'm going to watch the game. I'm going to get them go hunting. That's the plan, yeah. I was hyped. It was a late game, but it was going to be an awesome weekend because Kentucky was going to beat Arizona that they lost to in the championship game. And I was going to get up and I was going to go hunting the next day and kill a deer. Well, Arizona beat them again in overtime. I was so frustrated because my team had lost. But I knew also that I needed to pray because I didn't get to really pray that morning because that same old thing. So I went into the extra bedroom, which is Jenkins' room now. It was the extra room at that time. I laid on the floor to pray. And needless to say, about midnight, I awoke to my own snoring. But gun season was the next morning. So I got up, I went in there, and I went to bed as quick as I could. Next morning, the alarm went off, and I mean immediately. I don't, it was early. You, it's, this time of year, it's early. You go hunting. I was up. The alarm went off. I was up fast. I was in the bathroom. I was getting ready when all of a sudden this pain hit me in the chest. I was not having a heart attack, but I was struck by the conviction of God. And it was as if I could hear the Lord say to me, you can stay up late and watch a ball game and get up early the next day with an anticipation to go hunting with no problem. Yet you cannot get up to talk to me with that same anticipation. It's like a ton of bricks hit me. And I realized, I really immediately realized that I had some things out of whack in my life. I was a young preacher. I had a son, a year old. I was teaching Sunday school, and I realized, huh, why? Why am I not praying? I knew why I needed to make time to get up early to go to the deer stand because I knew if you didn't get there early, you'll run the deer off trying to go in. Now, I knew I couldn't miss a minute of that basketball game because I might miss a dunk. I might miss something. But I didn't realize why I needed to carve out time to pray. And from that time, I am still on that journey of prayer. But today, I understand much better why I need to pray. Tonight, I want to try to help us understand why we must pray. Every day of our life. We must pray every day of our life. Let me say this first and foremost. Prayer has no substitute. You cannot substitute prayer for anything. Your church attendance, you can come to every church service if you want to, but not pray. It does not substitute. You can give your tithes, you can give your offerings, but that does not substitute for not praying. You can work around the church all you want, but it's not substitute us not praying. Nothing can ever, ever replace prayer. There are things that God wants to give us and that it cannot, it cannot be sung down by a song. It, it cannot 
Just be praised up. Although if we praise God, He's going to come because He dwells in the midst of the praise of the people. But just because we're praising don't mean that some things are going to come to us because we're not praying. Amen. We can't work it up. We can't preach it up. There are things that we can only get and only will come by prayer. Amen. Something happens when we give ourselves to praying. Praying for the lost. Praying for the revival. Praying for the prodigals that needs to come back in here. When, when we give ourselves and spend time in prayer, not, uh, uh, not just asking for Jesus uh, for just anything, but just sometimes just getting in there and just loving Him and just letting Him know how much you're thankful to be a child of God. All the great revivals of past days of Pentecostal history and church history, you will always find that prayer is the key factor in the, all the events that took place during those days. Their churches were submerged in prayer. Amen. Their homes were baptized with prayer. The preaching was baptized by prayer. The altars was covered by prayer. People who went out and knocked on doors and witnessed the people, they were prepared by a praying person. Everything they did was marked by prayer. There are no substitutes for prayer. None. Talent does not substitute for prayer. People can get up and oratorial all they want. But if you're not praying, it does not substitute. Prayer is a place that we surrender our life to God. We surrender our will. There's a lot of problems and difficulties in our life that would be resolved if people would just pray. God can do so much more when we give ourselves to praying for things that really matter in life. But if we don't pray, then God won't do some things in our life. Because we need prayer for direction. We need prayer for the sick. We need prayer for victory over our enemies. We need prayer for cleansing from us from our sins. We need prayer for renewal in our spirits. We can have prayer for all kinds of other things that we need from God, but we have to pray. We have to seek Him. And a, and a, doesn't, a saint, a preacher, we cannot survive without prayer. Amen. A church cannot survive without prayer. And this generation seems to want people to pray for them, and they don't want to pray for themselves. Let me say this. Prayer is not like a drive-thru. No. It's not something that we just go through and call out a few requests and expect the answer to be dropped down into some bag and handed to us out a window. It doesn't work like that. No. See, because prayer, prayer is designed that we go to a place and we empty out this heart of all of our cares. Because without prayer, we collect all kinds of baggage through our days. Yes. Stress, pressure, all the mental junk, all the multitude, a multiplicity of things that just drag us down. Yes. But the remedy for all that is prayer. 
1 Peter 5, 6, and 7 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Amen. And so many times we look for human answers to try to fix all the problems we have in life. This world don't have the answer. There are some smart people that can help you, but there are some things that you are only going to get from God. Amen. But if we learn to put our cares of this life in the hands of Jesus, it'd be a lot easier. Amen. Our hearts get so full of all the cares of this life and the sin. The Bible says that so easily beset us. There's habits that weigh us down. And prayer becomes difficult. And we give up and we don't pray. Come on, that's right. Instead, we'll call somebody on the phone. We'll, we'll get on social media. Facebook. Amazing. Get text messages from people. Pray for me. Have you prayed for yourself? No. How many times have you got a text message? Now, I'll talk about lying Sunday. I promise you I'm going to. The Lord allows me. But we get a text message. Hey, will you pray for me? Oh, I sure will. Never pray for him a bit. How many times have we done that? The prayer is where we go in there and we get rid of all this junk. And... all this stuff out of us and we get a holy desire and we have to forget what other people think about us we get in that place of prayer you don't worry about you don't worry about what your phone's doing you don't worry about all this other stuff how can we ever hear from God with the, this life that's so clogged with all the cares of this life we have to or we've got to get our hearts emptied. That's why we pray. We get rid of this junk out of our life. We can do it through prayer. Come on, that's right. We can do it through prayer. Now, you can't just hold everything on the inside of you. And if you've got a good spouse, there's some things you can empty out. Sister Cheryl's been having some tough work weeks, so she's been on the way home. Like, let, let me hear what's going on. I know that helps. And I've been there too, and it helps. But sometimes it doesn't help just telling somebody, else, you've got to go to God. Right. You empty yourself. And we've got to understand that emptying our heart is more than just, it's more than just your to-do list, your, your, your honey-do list, your laundry list. Oh, I need a job, God. Lord, rent's coming due. I ain't got enough money. Lord, give me... Give me this, give me that, give me this. You see, that is the goal of the devil. He wants us to turn our prayers just into some list that we're always asking God for. And then they're not answered. And then the devil comes back and says, see, he don't answer prayers. And then we get mad at God. And we decide not to pray anymore. No but prayer is supposed to be where we begin to understand who God is and seek after those things that please God. We seek after His righteousness. 
Seek after his love. Seek after who he is, his truthfulness, his faithfulness, his holiness, his attributes. And all this will give us faith in our prayers. And let me tell you today, there's nothing beyond the reach of God. Nothing beyond the reach of God. Listen to a Brother Aaron Bounds preached this week and he said the praying older saint lady in their church and said the Lord gave her a hospital room number told her husband said take me to that hospital and they go in there and they walk down this aisle and this aisle and they go to this door knock on the door and it was a neighboring pastor as a neighboring pastor and the neighboring pastor said called her name and said, what are you doing here? She said, the Lord told me to come here and pray for you. He said, but I didn't tell anybody that I was here, not even our children. She said, but God told me to come pray for you. See, God, prayer goes beyond this stuff. Prayer, it's that place that we acknowledge that, God, I need an answer that's beyond any human ability. And prayer helps us understand that. And here's the problem we have. All right? We all think we're God. Are you, I, know, I know we don't want to hear this, but I'm going to say it anyway. And when we don't pray, I know you're not, we're not going to like this, but this is the truth. When we don't pray, in essence, we're saying, I don't need you, God. I can handle it. So in essence, what you do, you step... You, you step into God's position and say, I can do it. I can be my own God. And what prayer does, it helps us see the big picture by showing us how small we are in God's plan and His purpose. And it's supposed to be the moment we bow our knee and our head, we should acknowledge that we need God. Lord, I'm coming to you because... I can't make it another day without you. I need your presence today. I need you to wrap your arms around me. And God, yeah, I do need my phone bill paid or, or my water bill paid and this and that. But God, if you don't pay it, I love you anyway. But I can't make it without you because you're my God. And if my water gets shut off, my KU gets shut off, and I'm sitting in the dark freezing to death. As long as I make eternity in my home. See, Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. And I don't have to know all the answers. I just need to know, I just need to know who does have the answer. He has the answer. In prayer, it creates a humility inside of us. And it doesn't matter how great you are, how much money you have, how much how smart you are. It doesn't matter what your position may be. We need to pray. It doesn't matter if you preach thousands of revivals and hundreds of thousands of people has come to the altar and repented and changed their life. You still need to pray. Because prayer, it anchors us to God. It anchors us in God. Because it connects us to God. It connects us in a relationship with God. And our hope is only in God. Not in all the answers that the world tries to give me that old song we not sung it in a while but anytime me and Sister Cheryl has to be up here playing and sing we'll sing that song she does I'll help her where do I go when there's nobody else to turn to 
Who do I talk to when no one wants to listen? Who do I lean on when there's no foundation stable? Go to the rock. I know that he's able. I go to the rock. What's it say? I go to the rock of my salvation. I go to the stone that the builder rejected. I run to the mountains and the mountains stand by me. When the earth all around me is in sinking sand, on Christ that solid rock I'll stand. When I need a shelter, when I need a friend, I go to the rock. The rock is Jesus. It's our foundation. It's our anchor. And prayer is the way to get to that divine, heavenly direction that I need in my life. And here's the thing. If we make decisions, especially big decisions, that's not based on our time in prayer and, and, and talking to God, then you're being foolish. You know why so many people's in bankruptcy? Why there's so many adulter, so many divorces? Why there's so many stuff that's happening in this world? Because people made big and little decisions without praying about it. That same time I was talking about with with uh, struggling with my prayer is also the same time when I made some of the biggest financial decisions, screw ups in my world. You was fixing to have a son be born. And end of 95, 96, we had a perfectly good Oldsmobile Chiva. It was a good car, two door car. But instead, we got a kid coming, so we got to have a four door. And she had to have a Toyota Camry. And we couldn't afford a good one, so we got an old one. So when you push the button, the window would just fall out. And we had a payment on it. Did I pray about it? No. We just got it. At the same time, we had a kid and bought a house. Stupid. But if I'd prayed about it, took some godly counsel, It'd be better. And when we ask direction for our life without talking to God, the outcome is usually going to be bad. It took three vehicles to ever get us past that. Maybe you've never done that. You know, you make a bad, make a bad deal on buying a car, and, and then you pay on it long enough, and you trade it into the next one, and it gets a little bit better, and then you trade it on the next one. We finally done that and, and got beyond that. But we cannot trust our own decisions to do the right thing when it comes to some things, because we can't see around the corner. We can't see over the hill. We can't see what's coming. And he said his ways are above our ways. He sees over the hill. He sees around the corner. He knows what's coming. we got to go to God. He can see around every corner, every aspect, over every hill of our life. He knows. He created me. And he knows what's coming. And prayer brings us that direction because Isaiah 96 says that Jesus is what? Wonderful counselor. The mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He knows all this stuff. And when I begin to counsel and ask God for His counsel, He helps me with it. That's 
That's one reason I'm in Marion. Because I wanted to go to Alabama and start a church. But I prayed and said, God, if you don't want me to go to Alabama, then let my pastor talk to me. And he calls and said, hey, we need to talk. I had a dream. We tried to get you to Alabama. And blah, blah, blah. You heard the story. And when it was all said and done, I woke up and the Lord said, tell him not yet. I said, okay, that's all I needed to hear. Because I sought God and God kept me from going to Alabama. God's kept me from some things. And I know He has some of you. But before we do anything, we need to seek God. Before you make that job change, seek God. Before you make that financial decision, seek God in prayer. We have to. This is, this is why I pray. Because I've lived long enough to understand I've made some dumb decisions. I've, I've not had uh, uh, everything get exactly where it needs to be because I've made some silly decisions by not including God in my decisions. Before you get married, seek God. Before you date that guy or girl, seek God. Before you decide to walk away from the church, Seek God. Proverbs 3 and 6 says, In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall what? Direct, Direct your paths. What's that mean? In every way, ask His opinion about it, and He'll give you the right way to go. When we begin to acknowledge God in prayer about what we're looking to do, He'll help us because we're including God in every single aspect of our life. He might... Can you help me with the Lord's Prayer? It says, Thy will, what? How? In earth? As it is in heaven? The will of God is already in place in heaven. It's this earth part we have a problem with. That's the challenge. Is getting our earth part of it to match God's, the heaven part of it. Lord, help me to be in your will as it's, you see it, you see it in heaven. God's in control. And when we pray, there, 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 there's a connection that's taking place on this. It should be that it takes place in this earth. It gets connected to heaven and we see His will. And we got to make up our mind that we are going to serve the Lord no matter what happens in our world. And prayer is not over. When we have said what we want to say. That's right. Amen. Prayer is only effective when we take direction from Him. You ever go to that person and talk to them and they, I mean you talk, they talk for 15 minutes and then they walk away and they're done talking and they don't want to hear nothing you have to say. Now some people that's okay, I want them to go away. I was like, alright, I'm glad, I wish they hadn't took 15 minutes, five would have been fine, but in general, though, when you're trying to develop a relationship with somebody, it's hard to do that when they do all the talking on their terms and they walk away and they never allow you to say anything. That's how we treat God so many times. Whether it's five minutes, 15 minutes, or an hour, your entire conversation is all about me, me, I, 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 me, 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 and you don't let God say anything. But when prayer works like it's supposed to do, it makes relationship with God strong. Amen. 
And too many have a relationship only with the church. Too many have only relationship with the preacher. With a group. And I've seen some that are only at church because of their buddy, their friend, or this or that one. But prayer gets way beyond that. It causes us to be able to hear the voice of God for ourselves. What prayer does, it develops such a relationship with Him. Now, a lot of times you ain't really even got to pray about some things because you know Him well enough that you know what the answer is already. I, I love to compare it to relationships between a spouse, a wife and a husband, whatever. We've been married long enough that I can just see the look. She can see the look. We know what we're thinking. We know each other. And that's what it's about. And the way that happens, it, it, it's my text today, Luke 18.1. And he spake a prayer on them saying to this end that men ought to always pray. Always pray. He's got to be with us all the time. This is, what's, this is why we must always pray. That don't mean you're going to be on your knees praying in the prayer closet. You have all kinds of specific, okay? We have all kinds of different types of prayer, all right? There, there's, there's intimate prayer. Again, like a, a husband and wife. There's intimate time between a husband and wife. It's just between them and nobody else. There's other time when it's, it's a corporate relationship, when you're with God, like in a church setting. There's other time, it's, it's like texting back and forth all day long with my wife, you know, just little, little shots here and there. Oh, thank you, Lord. Or, oh, God, help me direct me to this. It's just little shots. This is what he means by this. Praying all the time. It develops a relationship. What, what would happen if we come in here? Or we, we experience a little bit. Well, we can't have church. The screen's messed up. Some of you couldn't read scripture tonight because we couldn't put it on the screen because I don't know where your Bible is. Right? How many times we've been playing the piano and all of a sudden it comes unplugged and everybody's like, oh God, what do we do now? You do it without it. You're right. What if the church fell in? Unfortunately, it would be so damaging to some people that would give up and throw in the towel. What if a pandemic shut down the church? Oh, it did, didn't it? And you know what? It also shut down some people. And they quit church because they weren't rooted with a relationship with God. Their relationship was with the church or situation. And this is where those who are, those who pray begin to suddenly thrive in that situation because it's not built on earthly things, but it's built with a relationship with God. This is why I pray. I need a relationship with God that when we have a pandemic and we can't come to church and I can't have that corporate togetherness, I still got God. Somewhere we need to be able to pray and speak with God because we know who He is. Why, this is why, Brother Texas, I'm endeavoring to pray. As a young man like you, when I was your age, I didn't, I'd be honest, I didn't pray like I should. I really need to have a better prayer life now. I'll just be honest with you. I, I want to get closer to God. And I know that comes through prayer. 
But those of old, they didn't need any kind of substitute that we have today just to keep them running. Today, people don't get their Facebook, they don't get their this or that, their meds, their blah, 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 their, their Starbucks, your coffee, whatever it may be in the morning. We can't operate. Well, back then, if they didn't get to talk to Jesus, they couldn't operate. They had such a relationship with God that when they got to church, they already knew what they were going to do. And nowadays we got to come in here and have songs and pomp and prime to get people to worship God. They are done been talking to Jesus. And they walk through these doors and they know why they're here. And that's to lift up the name of Jesus. All they needed was an old wash tub to give them a little bit of rhythm or something. And, and, and they have church because they've already been in prayer. And they're full of faith and power with the walk with God. And so many, in the absence of a relationship with God, they just got to get close to people. Right? Get close to somebody who's close to God. And that way I can just ask them to pray for me. And I won't have to. We don't need that. Because here's the crutch of it all. This is the realization that I've come to about why I need to pray. People want to pray because they want to change God. You're not going to change God. Yeah, he, you may, God's changed with a few things, you know, and he's changed his mind with a few things. I mean, if you look at Hezekiah, he, God said, you're going to die, and Hezekiah prayed, oh Lord, please, and the Lord changed his mind, but Hezekiah should have left that alone too. Because caused a lot of issues Babylon but Malachi 3 and 6 says for I am the Lord I change not therefore you sons of Jacob are not consumed Psalms 90 and 2 says before the mountains were brought forth or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world even from everlasting to everlasting thou art God he's not going to change we don't pray to change God we pray to change us Look at somebody and tell them, prayer changes me. Somebody said, I want a better husband. I want a better wife. I'll tell you how to fix that. Pray that God would make you a better wife or a husband and then they'll inspire them. I want a better workplace. Then pray that God will help you be a better worker. Prayer is not so that we can change God. Prayer changes us. If God was to change, that would mean that He wouldn't be God. But since God is perfect and He will never change, and if we cannot change God, then why are we praying, right? We pray because through prayer, God changes us. God changes my attitude. God changes my perspective. God will change my circumstances around me. He'll change my philosophies about life. Prayer changes me into a child of God. Prayer gives me favor with God. And we can go into our place of prayer and all that kinds of things begin to change when we really begin to pray. 2 Chronicles 7, 14, as I bring this to close, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, Seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, 
forgive their sins and will heal their land. I'm going to tell you what we need in this city, what we need in this church to bring the end time revival that Marion, Kentucky in this area needs. We need to have a prayer breakthrough. We need to turn the computers off more, maybe completely TVs off, social media. Turn all your notifications. I know this is going to be something nobody wants to hear. Turn your notifications off on your phone. The only one you may need is a text message or you're getting a phone call. You don't need all the bells and whistles hollering at you all the time. Oh, you got a Facebook notification. You got a message notification. Instagram, TikTok. You don't need all of that. It's bidding for your time and keeping you from praying. Greater relationship with your phone than we do with God. Oh, you old crazy preacher. Call me what you want, but I plan on going and spending eternity with God. Burning hell with Facebook, social media, Hollywood. We need to turn it off, especially when we're praying, and have a prayer meeting. We need to take authority in prayer and say, Satan, your kingdom's coming down. We need to take authority in prayer in our prayer and say, Satan. That's my kid. You can't have it. That's my mama. That's my that's my daddy. That's my husband. We need to do what I talked about Sunday. We need to speak to the wind. And that can only happen in prayer. Devil, you can't have my mind. God, I claim victory. I will live and not die. My people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. There's going to be healing. There's going to be deliverance. There's going to be power. There's going to be freedom. Whatever it is that we need, God has it for us. But it only comes through prayer. It only comes through having a relationship. It only comes through prayer. And that only involves spending time giving God your heart in sincerity. Because prayer unlocks doors that have been closed for you. Prayer will bring a mighty Russian wind to your world. It will set us apart. It will change our entire world. When men and women get to praying, when a church gets to praying, a community gets to praying, anything. Hear me tonight. Prayer isn't meant to be an afterthought. It's not supposed to be a last resort when nothing else will work. It has to. It needs to be the first thing we do. It's meant to be our guiding light. The most crucial conversation of your day is supposed to be when you talk to Jesus. Prayer is our conversation with God. And how can we develop a meaningful relationship with God? The God who created this world, this universe, who loves us if we don't talk to Him. How can He do a miracle in our world if we don't even know Him? And through prayer, we can bring our life into alignment with the vision and plan that He has for us in this world. Mahatma Gandhi said, prayer is the key of the morning. It opens the door and the boat in the evening locks it back. Prayer opens it up for you in the morning and it shuts the door back at night. 
And I close with this quote, quote from Martin Luther. He said it very well when he said, To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. To be a Christian without prayer. Let me tell you this right now. If you say you're a Christian and you ain't talked to Jesus in six months, let me go better than that. You ain't talked to him in two days. You ain't talked to him today. I'll tell you what, honey. I walk in that house and I just look at her and I go look at her and I go do my thing and ignore her. get home before she does some work, she comes through, she says, hello! One of us don't respond, where are you at? Well, it's not that rough and gruff, but you know, she's, she wants to know where we are! And Jesus is still walking through the garden looking for his creation. Adam talk to you again today and many times as Jesus went to that spot he's designed for us to talk to him and we have his shoulder I'm challenging us God wants to bring a great revival to this city but it's not going to happen as a church individual as a church we don't begin to seek God in prayer Texas, Jake and you guys are talking about Caleb Heron, Dylan Morgan, incredible young men your age preaching the gospel. I guarantee you, them boys pray. Never forget hearing OGA Mangan one time saying, all these young men wanting great revivals, don't take but one good fast. fast the time of prayer if we would give ourselves some prayer there's no prayer what would happen and it's time because Jesus is coming back the greatest revival that's ever happened on the face of this earth is right here because we are the end time if we listen folks no matter what your view of the end time we've had we're going to go before tribulation middle tribulation after tribulation honey we've had lots of difference between a year and seven years. I don't, it doesn't matter. We're there. Jesus is coming back. And if you never pray, you better do it now. Because when you take your last breath, there's no more prayer. It's over. Nothing. You're done. Unless you've been born again in the Lord and the Spirit. I know this is going to be harsh and mean, but I'm going to say it because it needs to be said. Unless you're born again of the Lord and the Spirit, you will go to hell and burn for eternity. There's only one way. Jesus is on the way to truth and life. You're never climb up in the other kind of way. It's only one way. He told, he told, Nicodemus, except the man be born again with the Lord of the Spirit. That means you've got to repent, you've got to be baptized in Jesus' name, you'll be filled with the Holy Ghost. That's the only way. If you not had any of that experience, we're an altar night, and we need to get on this altar, and we need to pray until the Lord of righteous glory comes and does something in our world. Amen. I'm challenging you. I want to see you pray here tonight, but what I want to know, what I want to see in the foolish years of this life begin to change because everybody around you knows that what are they doing different? I'll tell you what they're doing, they're praying. They're seeking God.
that same God like we've never sought him before. I'm done. After a sermon about prayer, I'm only sitting fitting that we ought to find a place in prayer. Can we do that? Can we find a place to talk to the Lord? I'm so 